From the News and Observer in Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm Jonathan Alexander. And I'm Jonas Pope IV. And you're listening to Sports Now. All right, welcome back to another episode of Sports Now. Jonathan Alexander here with Jonas Pope IV and Brett. Brett, remind me your last name again. (laughs) (laughs) Hensel. Brett Hensel. I was just joking. I knew your last name. I remember before I got on the podcast. But a lot of uh, news happened uh, recently this week, specifically Hurricane Florence. Hurricane Florence is heading straight for the South Carolina and North Carolina coast as a a Category 4 hurricane, and it threatened to cancel uh, many of the games, um, particularly uh, the Triangle games, uh, NC State. Was, was NC State supposed to travel to West no, Virginia? Yeah, NC State here in Raleigh. That game was canceled. And UNC versus uh, UCF was here in Chapel Hill. That game was also canceled. And then the game that we're going to talk about today is ECU was supposed to travel to Virginia Tech for a game. And a lot of ruckus was made about that game. The way I worded it in my notes, I said ECU, Virginia Tech squabble, having a squabble going on back and forth. Yes. Uh, but no, Ruckus was a good word. <laughs> so basically what happened was ECU made the decision. And, you know, this hurricane is supposed to be something serious. It's supposed to hit the east, the, the coast, and it's supposed to go pretty far inland. And basically ECU and NC State and UNC made the decision they were going to cancel on Tuesday. And ECU made the decision they weren't going to travel. They said it wasn't safe. But Virginia Tech wasn't happy about that. I'll read a couple things they said. Uh, so according to a press release, Virginia Tech were planning to announce or waiting until Wednesday to make the decision on the status of Saturday's game. The athletic director uh, had, was quoted as saying that they certainly understand the need of safety, of course. We just felt that tomorrow making the decision then would have been more responsible and accurate. And they informed ECU that multiple times. And then the cherry on top, <laughs> their football uh, Twitter account posted that the Hokies are waterproof. Tech traveled in the teeth of Hurricane Matthew in 2016 and came home with a 34-3 victory against UNC um, And uh, before deleting that tweet. I, thought, I have a question though, what, about the whole chronological order of it. Like, did the tweet come out after the announcement that the game was canceled? Someone said that the tweet was scheduled to come out before the announcement. So, yeah, I, I think one of uh, the spokesmen for Virginia Tech, it's really unclear to me whether that was just a cover-up, like this tweet was scheduled yeah. to, uh, to come out, or um, whether that was actually the case. But to me, it seemed like a way of trying to get out of a pretty sticky situation here. Um, the Pete Morris, I don't know who Pete Morris is. Can we look up who Pete Morris is? On Twitter? Yeah. Why are you talking about that? Yeah, Pete Morris of Virginia Tech tweeted 100% my fault entirely for not deleting it before it went live no intent on being insensitive to those harm in harm's way should have purged it before today my fault my apologies yeah so i don't know that that's a pretty insensitive tweet i mean again this is a category for hurricane what's more important safety or football can I, can I say, this is a conversation I was having with one of my coworkers this morning. Um, people, all right, it's so back and forth. It seems like it's an argument, it's a debate. 
But I feel like this is a rare case where I think both sides are actually right. Mm-hmm. I feel like Virginia Tech, the home team, was right. Was saying, okay, let's wait till tomorrow and see because it did it did change. The course did change. But I also feel like ECU is right because they've been through this before. Like I think it was Floyd back in uh, '99. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sophomore year of college, and Floyd kind of wrecked Greenville on the frame. Either way, it was one of those F hurricanes. Those F hurricanes apparently was pretty terrible. But um, so they they know how bad it can get. They've seen it before firsthand. I mean, obviously not just coaching staff, but the city of Greenville, the the, the, the university, they, they understand how bad the thing can really get. So I feel like they were right in saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and make a call because, we, because we've been through this before. But like I said, I think Virginia Tech was also right by saying, okay, let's wait one more day because it did, it did take a turn. Again, my stance is both sides can be right, but this caused a huge mess. Uh, it caused a social media storm before the real storm gets here uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, in my opinion, I just think Virginia Tech should be a little more sensitive of, oh, of, of the way yeah, 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 that ECU feels. And that's just my opinion. I mean, I agree with you, Jonas. There are definitely, like, two sides to the argument here. And I talked to someone uh, from ECU yesterday that said that it was ultimately Virginia Tech's decision and that, like, they didn't have anything to offer me. They were just going to wait and see what Virginia Tech decided. Obviously, that same day, they went out ahead of that and made a decision they felt was safest just seems like any stance you're going to take saying, like, we should be playing this football game, like, regardless of the weather, or not even going that far, but it can make you look pretty dumb in the future if Hurricane Florence is really bad and, and ends up causing a lot of damage. Like, this is the type of stuff that you point back to, and you're like, okay, this is really dumb in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's the, the interesting part, because I did call UCF to ask if they were traveling, you know, before the announcement came, and, and it was ultimately UNC's decision, which I think is kind of a little, you know, weird, you know. But I guess they do take into account, uh, you know, all of the parties involved. But, you know, I could understand from that point, you know, it's their decision to make it, and you, you kind of make the decision before they, you know, they're ready. But still, you it's most important is the safety. Um, one thing, um, shout out to uh, Josh Graham, uh, a friend of the program, but he tweeted out um, earlier that I think in 2006, uh, or no, it was 2007, Virginia Tech suffered, when they suffered, you know, one of the worst mass shootings in, in U.S. history, that uh, ECU was his first home game, and it gifted Virginia Tech a hundred thousand dollars, um, yeah, a hundred thousand dollar gift, uh, and it was presented at the game. Um, on the other side of, according to uh, some other reporters, the contract shows that Mike Barber of the Richmond Times, the contract shows that with ECU backing out of the game, it would owe Virginia Tech five hundred thousand dollars. Should Virginia Tech take that money? Wait, ECU owed them. Yeah, for not showing up. Oh man. I mean, no, they should. I don't think they should. I think it would be a really bad look if they did, though. I mean, like, I hope they don't. <clears throat> ECU would not have owed that money had they not. Like, if Virginia Tech had come out Wednesday and said we're not playing this game this weekend, like, there would have been no money owed on ECU's part, right? Right. right. It seems wrong to hold a school accountable because of. Uh, a big incoming storm that they can't control in any way. I will say this though. I mean, this is pretty much, it's kind of a rivalry because these teams play on the regular. Um, but this really kind of took it up a notch now. 
I mean, I wouldn't say it's a rivalry, but it's a regular game they play like every so often. But it might have some rival rivalry type tempers flare in the future now between the two fan bases for sure. For sure. I just, I just know that, like I said, if I'm in Greenville and I was around when Frank, I remember this Frank was flowing. I'm sorry, I apologize. I can't remember which one it was, but I just remember, remember how bad it was. And say, so I, I just imagine they don't want to, because like somebody stated yesterday, like okay, you get to Blacksburg. And if the storm hits really bad here, you got to get back here. And if, if Greenville's like almost underwater, God forbid, you know, it's going to be hard to get back here. So they got to they think about things like that and the coaches' families and the players and being safe. Yeah. So, so of course, I can see ECU's stance um, with this whole situation. Yeah. Usually when a hurricane hits North Carolina, Greenville is hit pretty because it's farther, uh, farther to the to the coast. It's, uh, oh, yeah. The I mean, I, I grew up in eastern North Carolina, so I, I, know, I know how this thing can turn out. I can get real bad. Yeah. By the way, Fran was 96 and Floyd was 99. So okay. I think you were right. Either way, I just remember yeah. <laughs> both of them were pretty bad. I, I remember Floyd was 99, you said? Yes. Yeah, I remember I couldn't go back to college because I went to college on the coast in Elizabeth City. So I, I couldn't get back because, like, every route we would take was submerged. So, yeah, I remember how bad it was and just, just how bad it was for the entire East. Like, I know people who, who lost their homes that I went to school with and things like that from the storm. So, I, I, like I said, I definitely get ECU stance. Uh, I want to go ahead and make plans early to prepare. Yeah, so, you know, I wish everybody safety as they prepare, you know, for this hurricane and uh, stay safe. And uh, my prayers are with everybody out there. Jones, what's next up on the uh, well, on we, the dot? We can stay here, kind of stay here with, with ECU. Their last opponent, UNC, was down in Greenwood this past weekend. That game – I'll be the first on this podcast to admit I was wrong. I picked UNC last weekend. I thought it would cover the spread. I can, I can admit I can admit what I'm wrong. It's part of being a man. But uh, ECU pulled pulled the upset, and some people say that that, that, that seat Fedora seat is just a little hotter now. Yeah, maybe so. So, we'll, I mean, you've been around him after the game and media availability Monday. So, what's kind of his mood? What's kind of his vibe since the game? You know, it's interesting. UNC lost forty. Was it forty one or forty? Um, that was 41. 41-19. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 41-19. Um, it was not a good look. Um, you know, everybody was distraught. Fedora definitely fielded some questions about the program. He said, you know, we're 0-2 right now and we're moving on. And, you know, he understands the criticism that will come his way. It's a part of it. Uh, Monday he said he's not new to adversity. But he plans on leaning on uh, what he's learned from the past and trying to uh, move forward and try to apply those uh, lessons that he learned. Um, but, you know, it was it was bad. Fans were not happy with that. ECU, the ECU game, if you look on the schedule and you said, okay, UNC, to make a bowl game, you need six wins to make a bowl game, right? There were two given games on the schedule. That you say, okay, we got this. We're gonna have to work hard, really hard for these other wins. ECU and Western Carolina were those two games. <laughs> now you've lost. Yeah, about that. Now, <laughs> now you've lost one of them, so that makes it even more difficult. So you know, it, it definitely wasn't a good look. But Dorsey definitely, and I wrote this in in, in my in my analysis that his seat did get a little hotter. Um, uh, the hashtag Fire Fedora. Uh, mm. appeared. I, I don't know if it appeared before. I'm sure it appeared before, but it, it became a little more popular last night. I mean, the night the night after the game. 
So, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't a good look. That You don't want to lose 41-19 to against a team that had just lost to North Carolina A&T. A good FCS program, but an FCS program nonetheless. What was the move of the players like after the game? Like, I mean, these these guys are pretty young. I, they kind of did you get the sense they kind of realized how bad of a look that was? Yeah, I mean they they were distraught, they were confused, they didn't want to talk to us. Their answers were short, and you know I understand. You know after a loss, you, you don't want to talk to the media. I totally understand that, um, but it it was definitely different. Uh, mood than the first game. The first game, they were a little more optimistic. Um, they knew the defense had played well, and they thought if they could just get the offense right, you know, they could turn things around. But th- this wasn't a good performance from the offense nor the defense. And I, I think they appeared more confused and not knowing why and, and definitely embarrassed about it that they really didn't even want to talk about. How did Elliott play? Like better than week one? or Yeah, I, I thought Elliott played a lot better than week one. I looked at the tape. Now, he wasn't – Now I, when I say he played better than week one, he was so bad week one that even though he played better in week two, it still wasn't that good. And um, – but it wasn't ter- terrible. Like, I think that his performance had – other people, like his first half performance was he had 170 yards. He was 15 27. He was making a lot of throws. And the running back, running game was going well. I think you go, if, if you haven't read my piece, uh, you know, Elliott plays a lot better when the running game is going. The running game had 147 yards in that first half. Um, but Elliott is, I think the thing that a lot of people need to understand is Elliott is not the guy who's going to, uh, he's not. Ryan Finley, he's not the guy who's going to go win you games when a running game is not going. He's not. Can't put the team on his shoulders. He can't. He, he, exactly. He can't put the team on his back. But he can win games. I mean, he's good enough to win games if everything around him is going well, if the play calling is going well. He's a, he's a game manager type player. If he could take care of the ball, UNC could win. But, you know, UNC didn't have it going all, all around. And I think I think – because Elliott can't put the team on his back, they weren't able to, to get over that hump. You're in the camp that, uh, it's, I mean, the storm itself, obviously not a good thing, but the cancellation and not having the defending national champions, <laughs> UCF come to town, is probably going to be a good thing at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, the, the way UCF is playing and the way they played last year, you know, I, I kind of think I, I, I would have saw an embar- another embarrassment. And maybe it, maybe it was a good, a good thing they didn't play UCF. UCF, uh, I think ECU had over 220 rushing yards, if I'm not mistaken, against UNC. UCF was averaging 303 uh, rushing yards, which was, I think, top 10 in the country. So, um, and UNC still would have been without Malik Carney, uh, its best defensive lineman. I don't think that would have been a pretty game for UNC. So, I, I kind of think maybe this was a good thing that this game got canceled? I have a question. Uh-huh. Why don't they get the ball to Anthony Ratliff-Williams more? I think, I think they I think they try to get the ball to Anthony Ratliff-Williams, but they do it in the wrong way. Like, I, oftentimes what you'll see from UNC is that you'll see, like, run, run, and then pass on third down. And the runs don't go anywhere, and they got third and long. So they try to give it to Anthony Ratliff-Williams on the go route. When... I think 
like here's one thing I don't UNC likes to run this bubble screen, but I think they run it to the wrong players. Like they run it to Thomas Jackson. They did it like three times to him, and he didn't get past. He dropped one of them. Though. He, he dropped, dropped one of them, and then the other two, he didn't get past. He got one. He got hit for like negative three yards. The other was like zero yards. He's not the right player to go to for that. G- give Anthony Ratliff Williams the bubble screen and watch him go stiff arm somebody and throw him to the ground. Uh, try to get he he caught a couple of passes over the middle, a couple of cross routes over the middle, and you know get him an open field and let him go to work. I think that would do a lot. I think they're going to him in the wrong situation. I've seen way too many go routes that just don't work. And you got to remember, Anthony Ratliff Williams is a quarterback converted to a wide receiver. So I think what Anthony Ratliff Williams number one is is a playmaker. Yeah, clearly their best player. Yeah, and I think you need to utilize him. And I think they're not utilizing him in different ways. They started to do that a little bit, you know, against ECU. He had four catches for 84 yards, but they didn't do it enough. So speaking of UNC, they get some guys back, or their suspension situation has kind of been shifted due to the storm. This is a very storm-heavy uh, podcast. So <laughs> uh, the storm and missing this game at U, I mean, versus UCF has kind of changed the outlook of the suspended players moving forward, correct? Yes, that's, that's um, definitely correct. So I want to bear with me. If, if, I don't explain, if I don't explain this where y'all don't understand it, please let me know because that also means listeners don't understand it. <laughs> so, you know, I got news last night because I, I asked a question. Somebody on Twitter posed a question to me, and uh, I was glad they did because that was definitely an important question. Um, that person had asked, uh, so because this game is canceled, what games will those players who are suspended for four games miss now? Okay, so I guess we'll start from the beginning. Fifteen players were suspended for selling team-issued sneakers. Thir- no, 15 players were sold team-issued sneakers. Thirteen were suspended. Eight were suspended for four games because they sold uh, their sneakers for pr- pretty high price. Okay, so a couple of them were staggered. But of those players who missed, who were suspended for four games, they've set out two games already. The Cal game, the ECU game. They were supposed to sit out for the UCF game, and then they were supposed to sit out for the Pitt game and return against Miami. Because this game is canceled, that does not mean they'll have to find another game to sit out. According to the UNC spokesperson um, who who explained, who clarified this for me, the players who were suspended for four games were actually suspended for 30% of the season. In this case, 3 of 11 is around 27%, and they rounded this up to 30%. So 30% of 11 games is three games. So these players will still only miss the Pittsburgh game and will return – against Miami. And they will only miss these three games as long as UNC doesn't schedule a 12 game, which they could schedule a 12 game, but UCF thinks it's unlikely that it'll be them that they'll schedule because they don't have a true open date. So uh, if UNC does schedule a 12th game, after they announce it, UNC will have to, those players who would spend the four games will have to sit out that following game. But as of right now, it's looking like UNC will only play an 11-game schedule, and uh, they'll only miss those three games. A uh, big question for UNC fans. When is – the important question is, when is the Sarat come back? 
I think, I think after these two yeah. first two Nathan Elliott performances, they kind of yeah, that that is a big question. And Surratt was one of those players who was suspended for four games. He missed the first two games. He was supposed to miss the UCF game. He'll miss the Pitt game, and he'll return on September 27th against Miami. And that'll be huge because that'll give UNC another option. Elliott is struggling. You best believe that Fedora is looking at Surratt. Um, Surratt has been able to practice in practice. He hasn't missed a beat. The only thing he hasn't done is play. Play, yeah. So he should be ready um, when called upon. And I think Fedora is going to call upon him if Elliott is struggling. So two questions then. So the Miami game, it's the pit game first, then Miami game. So they'll be back at full strength for Miami. For Miami. Is it is it crazy to think they can, beat, they can rally maybe, beat Pitt and have strength, be full strength in Miami, and then kind of rally and get this thing together for ACC play? Well, first, I do want to say before, before, um, not exactly full strength, okay. because they'll be without their biggest piece on defense. They'll be without Malik Carney. Okay. Malik Carney's suspension was staggered. He played that first game against Cal, so he won't be back until the following game. So that's still going to hurt them. But I think if they beat Pitt, which they beat Pitt last year without a lot of players. I think they'll have a lot more confidence heading in Miami game because he gave Miami competition last year as well. But plus they'll have Surratt there, you know, and and I just think that I think the Carney loss still hurt hurt UNC a lot more than people were expecting. I mean, yeah. he was he 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 had a lot of pass pressure. He had three tackles for loss, two sacks, eight tackles. They say he's the leader of he's he's the leader of the defense. He's the most outspoken player. And J.K. Britt even said, he said, we, I, I, I could feel that Carney was not out there. He said, I felt that. So, um, you know, I think it'll be good to have all those players back and to have more depth, but I think they're still going to be hurting on defense in particular. Are you kind of bummed that you, you didn't get to see the uh, defending national champions come to Chapel Hill this weekend? I, I am <laughs> I am kind of a little bummed. I'm not going to lie. I, want, I wanted to see a really good team in there. I mean – I, I didn't really see UCF play much last year, but uh, maybe one game. And, uh, you know, I was pre- impressed with them. I kind of wish I would have saw them in person. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we missed out on UCF and West Virginia both coming to town, which I know I was excited to watch both of those games. Yeah, I was, I'm bummed about it. I, was, I wanted to see Will Greer up close and in person. Man. So I'm, I'm bummed that they canceled that game. That does so. It was going to be a big weekend for the triangle, for triangle football. But Duke's still on the road. Duke still gets to play. Yeah. Duke's heading out to Texas. They, they're leaving actually a day early to go play at uh, Baylor. But uh, our last topic here on our notes is Duke had suffered two major injuries in quarterback Daniel Jones, who will return, and cornerback uh, Marcus Gilbert, who's like an all-ACC preseason type guy, going to be an NFL draft pick. Lost both those guys against Northwestern, a uh, Brat school. So we'll start with you, B-Man. Duke, Duke went up there and did that thing against Northwestern as a, as a, as a Northwestern guy. Yeah, that uh, that Duke defense um, led up an opening drive touchdown Northwestern, and then I think like 56 straight minutes of shutout football. I mean, not that the Northwestern offense is like world-beating or anything, but got a few talented players on that. Anytime you pitch a shutout for three and three-quarters of, of a football game, then you should have some confidence against a Power 5 opponent. Big Ten team that went ten and three last year. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty good win for them on the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any any game is early in the season on the road is, is, is a good win. They yeah, go out there and beat Baylor, man. Then they come back. They have Central at home. 
So, you know, they get this thing rolling. You better watch out for, for Duke once they get into uh, conference play. Yeah. I mean, th- this seems like the perfect time. I mean, these were the games that you wanted Daniel Jones to be out if he was going to be out. Yeah, you right. know, like you won't need him against Central. Yeah, um, and, and Baylor, Baylor. Baylor was one in ten last year. Right. Yeah. yeah, and Duke destroyed Baylor in Durham right. last season. So you better you hope that they're leaving early and the distractions of being worried about their loved ones and their possessions back home. You know, hopefully they can put it to the back of their mind to play a football game. I know, I know that sounds silly, but just from a football standpoint, you know, they hope. They won't be thinking too much about what's going on here. They can handle business down there in, in Texas. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it sucks when, when when people go down with injuries and are out for a season because, you know, Duke was supposed to be one of those surprises this year. Uh, maybe not win their division, but, you know, be you know be back to that, to where they were in, in years past. And, yeah. you know, you know, we'll see how the loss of, of Daniel Jacobs and the loss of, of Gilbert will affect – you know, this team uh, going forward. But should be interesting. Well, this hurricane edition was fun. Well, stay safe, people. Stay dry. Stay dry, yeah, for sure. That's another episode. I'm Jonathan Alexander. Jonas Pope. Brad Hansel. Oh, sign it off. Brad's last show. Yep. <laughs> Two shows, he's out. Yes, <laughs> All right, thanks. See y'all next time.